You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,253, and it's our interview 1,566. We've been on the air since March of 2009, and we're the longest-running business podcast in Orange County, California. CEOs run a great danger when they make strategic decisions based on gut instinct and their experience. To run a successful business today, CEOs must take a rational approach to making significant decisions to avoid catastrophes. That's why I've invited Gleb Supersky, who is Ph.D. and the author of Never Go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid business disasters to come on and talk about his research into cognitive biases and poor decision making. If you'd like to learn more about the radio show and the CEO peer groups that I chair, visit my company's website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Dr. Sapersky onto the show. Gleb, welcome to Critical Mass radio show and podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Richard. It's a pleasure to speak with you. You know, I... I have to admit, when I saw your title, it immediately connected with me. And as I've read your book, it only reinforced um, so much based on your research about how we use our gut in leaders and how that is we, we subject ourselves to all measure of biases. And I think you have over 30 in your book that you talk about, and we're going we're gonna to get into the book in, in a little bit. But why do you say... CEOs should never go with their gut when making significant business decisions. Our gut is not adapted for the modern business environment. It's actually adapted for the Savannah environment. And that's fascinating. When I found that out after starting to study the subject, it blew my mind because obviously we think of our gut as a good indicator of decision making, but it's actually not. It just feels very comfortable. But what feels comfortable is often exactly the wrong thing to do. And CEOs who follow their gut often end up in exactly their own position. You know, that, that, that's a point that you make in the book and um, one that I'd kind of like you to repeat because sometimes what's familiar and comfortable isn't right. So could you, could you just restate what you just said, Gleb? Of course. We feel, our gut feels comfortable with things that are adapted to the evolution in the Savannah environment. And that's gut reactions, that's the fight response, and the flight response, and tribalism. And these are things that are often very bad thing, decisions in the modern business environment. So the things that feel comfortable to us, to CEOs, are often exactly the wrong things to do. And we need to really very carefully differentiate between what is comfortable and what is actually right for our bottom line. Okay, and um, th- that is, if you take nothing else away from <clears throat> this interview today, take that away, CEOs, because um, if you read his book, it will reinforce it with case studies, with research, and you'll understand how we are constantly making decisions based on emotion and past experience and I- intuition, and many times it leads us into great 
problems. So can you mention some, re- speaking of that, can you mention some recent business disasters that were in the news that, in your opinion, kind of came from the CEO going with his or her gut? Of course. So a great example is WeWork. Now, about six months ago, the valuation of WeWork was by the best investors anywhere from $60 billion to $90 billion. So an average of $75 billion. And that was the valuation of WeWork. Now, once Adam, the, the leader, the CEO of WeWork, strongly decided that it was time for an IPO, despite opposition from a number of investors, including SoftBank, and he pushed forward for it against a lot of people who were in the company who said the company is not ready. Well, guess what? It was not ready. An investigation by all the public uh, investors who looked at the company governance and structure resulted in them greatly downgrading the company from its valuation of $75 billion to a current valuation of about $5 billion. Wow. Now, imagine that. What happens to the value of your company that goes from $75 billion to $5 billion? That's $70 billion wiped out of your company. That's a huge amount of money. It's an imaginable amount of money. And that sum of money is just a one example out of very many decisions. It's just very prominent in the news recently where a terrible decision by the CEO led to a huge disaster for his company. We're talking with the author of Never Go With Your Gut, Glenn Sipersky, and it's it's empowering you to make better Uh, decisions. The subtitle of the book is How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid Business Disaster. Who, when you wrote the book, Gleb, who was the target audience? Who did you have in mind that people that would, should read your book? My main target audience is middle market CEOs and their C-suite executives. These are the folks I speak to most often. So I often speak to Vistage groups, uh, entrepreneurs organization groups, and other groups for middle market leaders and it's they who really need to read this book and understand it now there are pretty expensive business consultants who work with the top tier companies fortune 500 companies and who can bring them this information but this information and i work with a number of them i work with aflac nationwide xerox and so on but i wanted this information to be accessible to folks who may not necessarily be able to afford very expensive consultants who can popularize this information for them. And that is who I wrote the book for. Middle market professionals, middle market C-suite, and CEO leaders. So, Gleb, as I said earlier, you really talk about this idea of, of cognitive biases. And I wonder if you could define the term for people so they, uh, if they're not comfortable with how you view cognitive biases, how, how they might think about it as we continue this interview. Of course. So cognitive bias, it's not how I view it, it's the, it's the scientific definition, so I'm a cognitive neuroscientist, and cognitive bias definition is errors that our minds make that cause us to deviate away from the best course of action for our bottom line. So whatever causes us to make really bad decisions, we have over 100 of these cognitive biases, and in the book I describe the 30 most dangerous cognitive biases for business leaders. So I talk about biases like the confirmation bias, where we tend to look for information that confirms our beliefs and ignore information that doesn't. So Adam uh, at WeWork looked for information 
that confirmed Hibbs' belief that IPO was a good idea and ignored the great amount of information that it was not a good idea. Another example, the Boeing leadership fell into a bias called the normalcy bias. Now, the normalcy bias refers to us assuming that things will go pretty much as they did in the past hmm. and ignoring the likelihood of really major problems going forward. So the Boeing leadership couldn't imagine, literally couldn't imagine, the situation with Boeing 737 MAX happening, and that's why they let the situation go on as it did, and costing the company many billions of dollars right now. You know, you, you, you mentioned in the book that it takes a while to get comfortable with understanding a bias and how it may influence you. And we're going to talk a little bit later about the assessment that you have in there. And I've been fascinated with cognitive bias for a while. I run CEO peer groups here in Southern California, Gleb, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of what I'm doing is helping them to make better, more informed decisions. And it, it's an endless conversation about how bias can influence their decisions. In the book, you talk about... Um, Dr. Daniel Kahneman and his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, and how we have really two decision-making parts of our brain. Uh, could, could you help our audience to understand uh, what you write about building upon Dr. Kahneman's research? Of course. Dr. Kahneman and uh, Tversky, so they were the two original researchers on cognitive biases. Starting from the late 1940s, they found all the ways that our brain is screwed up. Like the two biases that I mentioned, the confirmation bias is one of them, the normalcy bias is another, the sunken cost fallacy is another where we tend to throw a lot of good money after bad end. I just had to work with a coaching client of mine who couldn't let go of a project for a while and I had to show him how he was falling into the sunken cost you know, fallacy. So that's another example. And we have, uh, like I said, over 100 of these biases. now. The Karaman, Tursky, and that generation of scholars, people who are working from the 40s to the late 80s, they were looking at how our brains are messed up. All of the cognitive biases, and they were fascinated by it, and they published a number of books, including Thinking Fast and Slow. Now, I'm part of the next generation of scholars and consultants, coaches and trainers who look at actually how do we solve these problems? What are the specific, concrete, pragmatic business steps that we can take to actually address these problems? And I've been working not only in academia, I've been there for over 15 years, but also for over 20 years actually working in businesses and helping people in the middle market and especially in larger companies address these sorts of problems effectively within their systems. It's interesting, too, because um, Dr. Kahneman talks about how we have this kind of gut instinct, our reflex decisions, you know, fast thinking, which is appropriate for some decisions, and then we have a slower, more intentional and energy-draining decision-making part of our brain, which I think you, you, you bring through the book countless times showing how needing that part of the brain takes energy, but it's the appropriate part of your brain to use to use data to make decisions, especially the important ones in running middle market companies, right? Absolutely. I mean, when your mom told you that you need to take 10 seconds when you have an emotional reaction and breathe <laughs> rather than going forward and you know making your instinctive decision, uh, she had it right. We have a part of our brain that's called fast thinking, the autopilot system, what I call the autopilot system. That part, or you can, you also hear it referred to as system one in technical 
academic language. So I prefer to call the autopilot system. It's more understandable. That system reacts fast, instantaneously. It's a very, very efficient system if you need to get out of the way of a moving bus. <laughs> you don't want to take the time to think about it and count to 10 <laughs> when you're trying to do when you see a moving bus getting at you or you know when you see a baseball flying at your head. Now, that's not the time to uh, slow down. However, the vast majority of business decisions are not the kind of decisions where baseball is flying at your head or a moving bus is running at you, is going at you. They're the type of decisions where you need to count to 10. And of course, that's just one of many, many ways of addressing these cognitive biases. That's called the system two in technical terms, or what I call the intentional system, where you slow down, you deliberately use your mind to address these problematic intuitions, these things that feel comfortable but are actually bad for you, like the desire to take the third chocolate chip cookie. It feels very comfortable for your gut to do that, but it's actually going to be really bad for your health. In the same way, plenty of business decisions are going to feel very comfortable, like taking the third piece of chocolate chip cookie, but they're going to be really bad for you. And you talk about in the book how not only can it affect the individual, let's say, CEO of a middle market company, but it can infect the management team and lead to things that we know of like groupthink as a, as, as a com- right. community. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So groupthink is a phenomenon where everyone tends to align their opinion around the opinion of the top leader and not tell him or her that whatever they're saying is a, a problem. Yeah? I was just in HR conference today giving a, uh, my giving the opening keynote, and after the conference I talked a little bit about groupthink. One of the attendees approached HR manager and told me that I was absolutely right, that he was in a number of situations where groupthink really hurt the company, and he didn't have the um, wherewithal to stand up to the CEO and tell the CEO that, hey, Bob, you're not going in the right direction here, because he didn't want to be on the spot. He said, well, okay, it'll be, it'll be on his shoulders. Right. And a number of times, it happened that the CEO made the bad decision because the group around him didn't have the ability, it wasn't, it wasn't part of the culture of the group to speak up and tell Bob that Bob's decisions were not the right one. So in your book, you know, we've done a good job in the first half or the three quarters of the interview talking about the problem. Now let's talk about some ways that you can overcome the dangerous and judgment errors. You have a you have a very comprehensive questionnaire that's in your book. Can you can you talk about how applying and taking the questionnaire and then scoring yourself, how does that how will that help? How have you seen in your business that questionnaire and the application of it to their business help them to avoid these cognitive biases? Well, I developed the questionnaire to replace a kind of consulting engagement that I used to do, which was a needs analysis, analyzing the kind of cognitive biases that are happening in your business and then uh, taking steps to address them. The questionnaire instead has you yourself going through the problems in your company and doesn't say, are you suffering from the confirmation bias? (laughs) Are you suffering from the halo effector or the horns effector or any of these other biases. It talks about specific problems that result from cognitive biases. So for example, how often do projects run over time, run 10% over time or over budget in your company? That's one classical question. And there are many other questions like this. But for CEOs and C-suite leaders and others who are listening, think about 
the last year in your company. How many projects out of the projects that were launched went over 10% of the time or over budget? Now, when I ask this in a group of CEOs, or when I do this presentation, they give numbers anywhere from 40% to 95%. And when you hear those higher numbers, it's really becomes very clear that the, to these CEOs that, hey, this is a serious problem that they just haven't looked at. They haven't thought about that this is an issue. They haven't realized that this is a problem for their company because they're wasting a lot of time and a lot of money on projects that clearly should either not be done or should have been planned very differently. And that's just one out of 30 questions that leads to very important realizations about what's going on problematically within the company and it gets people to care about these things. The first thing we need to do is to care about these problems because they come from our emotions, from our gut intuitions, and to address them. We need to get our gut intuitions on the side of addressing these problems. And that's what the questionnaire helps you do. It helps you identify the problem, learn about the pain that it causes you, and motivate yourself and others around you, just as importantly, to address these problems. And Gleb, um, and, and we're talking with the author of Never Go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid uh, Business Disasters. And we're talking with the author, Gleb Sipersky, about this amazing book, with I, um, which I, I couldn't put down once I picked it up. You, in addition to having them answer those 30 questions, you also then, in the book, kind of characterize them into different uh, groupings to help the reader understand if you have these scores on these set of questions kind of here's the bias that might be impacting you so i thought that was really a really an additional value added way to look at the self-assessment that you have in your book absolutely so it talks about the capacities that we have the the competencies that we have and what these biases relate to they relate to evaluations of ourselves so the mistakes that we make when we evaluate ourselves of course that has to do with self-awareness and that's an incredibly important skill for ceos and c-suite leaders the other well that's one out of four another is awareness of others where cognitive biases cause us to make mistakes about others and that's a whole big category of biases where we mistake other people and as a result harm seriously harm our business relationships then strategic mistakes mistakes in the kind of plans that we make around uh, various projects and i mentioned one with uh, running over time and over budget another one is implementation problems that we make in implementing projects so one the first is strategy around planning the second one is tactics around implementation so the sunken cost fallacy where we tend to throw good money after bad is a tactical error so those are the four competencies the four broad competencies that the cognitive bias is really hurtful uh, you know, th this book, um, it's almost overwhelming the number of bias that can come into a decision. And and you do, a, I think, a very good job, Gleb, of writing a book that is approachable for a middle market CEO to read this book, to gain knowledge, but yet it maintains the interest because you sprinkle in case studies that are known you sprinkle in your direct experience working with clients and helping to personalize kind of the lesson. So I, I want to say that for me as a reader of, of business books, while you're 
while it's filled with content and information, it's an easy read from a from a business person's perspective. It, did it? How long did it take you to write this book, Gleb? Oh gosh, it took me about six months to write the book, and it took me that short, partially because it, I have already written for quite a while. I'm a professional writer. I've written for Inc., Fast Company, Time, Business Insider, and many other venues. And so I already had some case studies that were prepared. Uh, I wrote them out, I thought them through, and then I was able to integrate some of them into the book. So it took me less time than it would have otherwise, but just because I had that preparation. And uh, thank you very much for your praise of the quality of my writing. It comes from extensive writing for a number of business venues, and that's why I have the capacity to write in an engaging way that CEOs really like to read. So are there any quick decision-making strategies that CEOs can adopt to overcome kind of the risk of harmful gut reaction? Absolutely. There's a strategy that takes less than five minutes. Again, CEOs, it's less than five minutes. You should always be able to spend five minutes on a decision because if you don't want to make a really bad decision, if you don't want it to turn to a disaster. And here are five questions that you should ask yourself about any decision. First, what important information did I not yet consider? You want to especially think about information that goes against your gut intuitions. Go look for information that this confirms your preferred choice, that makes you feel uncomfortable, because you won't look for that information otherwise. Your gut will cause you to look for information that makes you feel comfortable. So deliberately look for the uncomfortable information. Then, what dangerous judgment errors, so cognitive biases, did I not yet address? And the relevant ones, you'll figure them out as you learn about them. There are over 30 of them that are described in my book. What would a trust and objective advisor suggest that you do? So think you know, of a little Richard on your shoulders and think of what Richard would tell you to do in this sort of situation. How have I addressed all the ways this could fail? So we're going into the implementation. Think about the ways that a decision can fail and address it in advance so that you don't have it going way over time, way over budget. And finally, what new information would cause me to revisit this decision? This is particularly important to integrate as you make the decision so that you are, are not stuck in the heat of the moment trying to redecide the decision that you made. It's much better to decide what would cause you to change your mind when you're actually making the decision rather than when you're implementing. So these five brief questions, which you can take less than five minutes to ask yourself, will save you so much trouble down the road. You know, this is great because at the end of uh, each chapter, and certainly within the body of the chapter, you sort of admonish the reader that you need to do an exercise. You know, you just, you've just learned something, but if you don't put pen to paper in a diary or something and actually put some, some effort into this, the value from the book may not be as great as it could be. And so I really like that, um, that way that you constructed your book, and I, I think the, for the reader taking the time to do a little extra work will pay great dividends. So I, I really enjoy this. So, uh, Gleb, I, I need to wrap up the show, and I'm, the time has flown by for me personally, and I'm really enjoying this. And I, I wonder, uh, what else do you offer middle market business leaders in addition to as resources beyond the book and its great content? Of course. So thank you very much for your kind words, Richard. And I think it's really important to do the exercises because otherwise you will really not get the benefit of the book, of the techniques of integrating it into your work. You'll just kind of skim it as you do many books. That's not the point of this one. So what I offer folks is coaching, consulting, mastermind groups, 
speaking and training. So those are all uh, parts of what I offer. And of course, there's plenty of free content. If you go to disasteravoidanceexperts.com, check that out. It has a blog that has a podcast that has a video cast and a newsletter that you can sign up for. Check it out and follow the content. Gain these valuable resources and make sure that you avoid disasters by making the best decisions for your bottom line. You know, Gleb, we've done 1,500-plus interviews. I've never had anybody who's a disaster avoidance expert. You're the first, sir. And I, I love the I love the way you've kind of positioned your brand in the marketplace because I think it is people need to really recognize the great risk that they're under by um, using their gut and the experience to make decisions. You know, many CEOs pride themselves on being able to make quick decisions based on minimal facts and just intuition. And I think those are people that may be best served to read a book like yours, as well as thoughtful middle market business owners. So, again, where is your website, sir? Where will they find more from you online? They can check out disasteravoidanceexperts.com. So, again, that's disasteravoidanceexperts.com. And they can find my book, Never Go With Your Gut, How Pioneering Leaders Make the Best Decisions and Avoid Business Disasters, in Amazon or in physical bookstores if anyone uses them these days. Exactly, and I hope that they do. And, and, I, and I highly recommend this book. It, this, is, this is the kind of book that if um, I believe the kind of people that are in the critical mass, CEO peer group community, middle market business leaders, peer learning, that whole community. I can see why you're very popular in Vistage and in EO and the rest of those because your message is really intended for, I think, enlightened business leaders. So do you ever get to Southern California? Uh, that's funny. I'm actually going to Los Angeles for a conference presentation on November 7th. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's this week. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm actually flying all day tomorrow from here where I just gave an HR conference in Asheville and for the conference in uh, for the November 7th. Oh, man. <laughs> if you Please let me know the next time you plan to come out because I would love to buy you lunch and pick your brain a little bit more. I found your, your research very fascinating. Thank you for being a, a friend of our program and a part of the critical mass community. And I, I hope that you and I in the future can continue to work together. I think my book, Killing Cats Leads to Rats, about unintended consequences of strategic business decisions, I'm, I think these two books work very well together. And so, so I'm excited to get to know you better in the future, if that's possible, sir. I would love to do that, and I look forward to reading your book. It's in the mail. I put it in the mail to you today. So it should be Wonderful. when you get back from your trips. Hopefully it will be in your mailbox in Ohio. Thank you again for your time and the effort and the quality of the writing in the book that you've written for us. Thank you so much for having me on, Richard. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Bye, Gleb. Our engineer for today is none other than Mr. Paul Roberts, our producers without whom I could not do this show each and every week. Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, our newest producer. Vanessa Holland. If you want to connect with me, let's do it on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.